Eugene. Uh, we went to Kamikaze, or formerly Stan Lee's Kamikaze, or now LA's Comic Convention. And it was uh, raining, oddly enough, in LA, but we uh, made the most of it. I went there with uh, Josh and Auburn, and we got to meet uh, one of the artists in Artist Alley, William O'Neill, um, called the Gentleman Nerd. He was uh, very uh, pleasant to talk to, and he was just a nice guy. Yes, a very dapper fellow. He does a lot of fan art. He did some Doctor Who fan art, which we will uh, post on the website. And you can find him on Twitter at GentlemanNerd42 and uh, at DeviantArt, www.gentlemannerd.deviantart.com. Yeah, I picked up a David Tennant, 10th Doctor piece, and also a Harrison Ford as Han Solo and Indiana Jones piece for Kelsey, since she is a fan of Mr. Ford. What do you think of the art, Kelsey? I love it. I uh, I did not go to Comic-Con, LA's Comic-Con, but I came when I came home, uh, there were three of my favorite fictional guys on the table one of them david Tennant as the doctor and the other one it's a it's a as the is the harrison ford piece as i'm calling it it's a really cool <laughs> split screen of like half of it is han solo and the other half is harrison ford that's indiana jones oh yeah sorry yeah <laughs> half of it is uh um, yeah, obviously I think of these guys, both of these fictional characters as Harrison Ford, but, um, half of it is Han Solo and the other half is Indiana Jones. It's like a split screen. It's really, it's really cool. And, um, we just have to figure out where to put it up in our apartment. I say the bedroom, but <laughs> I think <laughs> it'll probably go in the office. Like, like on the ceiling or on the <laughs> You said it, not me. So whenever we go to comic conventions, we're always on the lookout for any Doctor Who fan art. So we'll be plugging artists as we come across them along the way. Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights of the modern regeneration of the show. Today's episode is The Rise of the Cybermen, Episode 5 of Season 2. The TARDIS arrives on a parallel Earth where Rose discovers her father, Pete Tyler, is alive, and an old enemy of the Doctor is rebooted. This episode is written by Tom McRae, directed by Graham Harper. It first aired on the 13th of May, 2006. The viewership peaked at 9.65 million viewers in the overnight uh, ratings. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, this is Brian. Hello, this is Frank. Hi, this is Auburn. Arlene. Hi, this is Kelsey. And this is Eugene. In a laboratory, aboard a blimp, world-renowned inventor and owner of Cybus Industries, John Lumick, watches as Dr. Kendrick activates a creature they have created by encasing a human brain into a robotic body. Knowing that his work would be shut down if anyone found out about the creature, Mr. Lumick orders it to kill Kendrick. Another... Scientists like um, I just I I'm, oh like Boomtown yeah just like <laughs> I just feel like there's this recurring recurrence of like scientists who are like duped into like you know helping these evil men fulfill their evil plot, but then they somehow always feel like at the end they can like be, steer them steer it <laughs> and then they always get killed. So it's just kind of like I don't know. yeah, funny. funny. It's almost a classic 
horror movie, mm-hmm. you know, opening type of thing, the mad scientist. And a lot of these episodes don't start with the doctor or the companion. It's always a setup of something that you're going to know that they're going to enter into. It's like, is mm-hmm. that standard? Is, do they? It's, it, it's happened on the classic. It's a formula. Yeah. I, I do remember watching classic episodes and you're watching the first part of the serial going, get to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, I think there are some that did open up with the, the doctor's storyline. At least this was short. It yes. wasn't as long as the classic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very I like quick. It. I like the beginning not being the doctor and the companion. I think it's fun. It sets up the world. Yeah. I really like this opening. I don't know if uh, you've seen Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. The Cybermen yeah. like, reminded me so much of the like the third act creature in Sunshine where we, it's out of focus. we don't see it. Yeah. yeah, it's just in the background there and it's bright. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like that about the opening. Yeah, and no. when Auburn and I were watching this together, uh, Auburn and I are married for viewers who are new. <laughs> <Listeners>. um, <laughs> Auburn and I were watching this together, and I was like trying to place it, you know, because it is a different opening. We're not with a doctor, we're not with Rose. So I'm like trying to place it. I'm like, ooh, um, Geneva's approval. Oh, oh, it's like the Geneva. Are we in like World War II? Like, what's going on? And and um, I, ha- I like rewound, and I'm like, bio convention, Geneva's approval, ratify this. Is what the the doc, the, uh, the scientist yeah. is trying trying to tell tell the guy Lumic. in the wheelchair Lumic, um, yeah. But as 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 we discover, like we can't place this because there's a reason why, a reason why <laughs> and I won't say anything more. And the camera angles are very close in on everybody. You don't even see the room. I don't mm. think that you see the room yeah. that they're in. Mm-hmm. And then the Cyberman just has the sun behind him. So. Yeah, maybe you don't know Lumic is in a wheelchair at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure. You might. Yeah. I think well, it you does do. you look do. like a wheelchair, but yeah. you have no idea what a Cyberman is because you can't really tell what. Right. Not what a, it yeah. Is at all. yeah, not yet. And Lumic has that old saying of "It's better to beg forgiveness rather than ask permission." Attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, do we have the rights? Oh, I have my own rights. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that later on if they have a problem with it. Yeah. Our three travelers are relaxing in the TARDIS when suddenly it careens out of control and crashes, powerless. They step outside and discover they have landed in London. It's the same year as when they left, but now zeppelins fill the sky. They realize they are on a parallel Earth, and Rose stops in her tracks when she sees her father on a poster for an energy drink. She is excited, but the doctor grabs her and tells her that her father is dead. This Pete is not her father. She cannot see him. Ever. (laughs) <laughs> well, before this, I feel so bad for Mickey. I know. When he's holding the button. 30 minutes. For 30 <laughs> minutes. And he's like, well, how long have you been holding the button? He's <laughs> like, like, 30 minutes. 30 minutes. When can you, when can I have let it go? Oh, 10 minutes, 20, 29 minutes, minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I mean, you know, taken on its own, it would be kind of funny, but we're doing this in order and seeing it as it progresses. It's sad. Yeah. You know, especially since the doctor had asked him to come along. Against Rose's wishes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why did you ask him to come along if you're not even going to pay attention to him? And they're they're chatting like, you know. A new, He's not even there. Uh, yeah, like a newlywed couple yeah. and laughing about it. And, oh, oh, yeah, Mickey's here. <laughs> it's just sad. And like, it just kind of shows how Mickey is treated all condensed in like one yes. little scene. And it's just kind of makes you realize if you never noticed before that... They really don't care. Yeah, he's the third wheel. Mm-hmm. Well, this two-parter mm-hmm. should have been called Mickey Grows Up. 
Yeah. <laughs> you get that <laughs> you going go. through this. Because he's the one, he gets the parallel world pretty quickly before Rose, I think, gets what's going on. So I've, I just want to go on record by saying I've always been a fan of Mickey, even from um, the Rose. episode Rose. Pilot. Like, I've, I've always liked Mickey. So I just want to go on record by saying that. <laughs> So there's any other Mickey fans out there? <laughs> I mean, I, I like Mickey too. I like uh, Noel Clark's acting, the way they shot that angle from below. That like you can see the finger on the button, and yet you can see him acting. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. He has very good reactions. Yes. He says a lot when he doesn't say something, because he is, you can tell he's torn up inside by the way things are happening. And it's like, it's not that he he doesn't dislike them. He likes them. Mm-hmm. He wants them to like him more. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think the actor does convey that well. Oh, Mickey, he's so fine. He's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the reason the TARDIS. No. no, is he? Did holding that button, do you guys think that holding that button? I think the doctor would have said. It was just a mess I with think him. It was, a mess yeah. with him, I think. Yeah. Just, well, maybe the button didn't need to be pushed, but you just pushed it like a regular button. And, and mm-hmm. then they started chatting about Like an the, elevator door. Just yeah. push the ball. You don't hold it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who knows? But they're just. Yeah. And then and then an accident happens. Uh-huh. So we don't know why the target. Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes I get a feel that even the doctor doesn't know what every button in the <laughs> yeah. TARDIS does. Agreed. Absolutely. So maybe he shouldn't be having Mickey just push this button. Is like uh, this. Uh, this probably doesn't do anything. What Mickey? Why don't you hold that for a while? <laughs> That's not very safe. Or let's find out what it does. Yeah. Yeah. But when they do crash, do you notice that there are six gas masks that fall from yes, the that ceiling? Did. That was I very did. funny. Yes, I did. And then that'll come back later yes, in season four. Yes. There should, have been, there should have been a hologram of Eccleston appearing saying, <laughs> put, the, put your own gas mask on first <laughs> and then help people around you. The exits are here, here, and... Well, just here. <laughs> and I'm fantastic. Yeah, that's what makes um, going back and watching these episodes fun. Yeah. So if you've ever like thought like, oh, I've seen this. I don't need to go back and watch it. And it's like, no, you should because you're going to see, see stuff the, the that, they, that they put in years before the payoff. And mm-hmm. It's also it's good fun. to go back and see things after watching later episodes. Like with where, hindsight. Well, yeah, then you can watch where the characters were. Mm-hmm. You know, you know where they're going, maybe, you know, where they're not going. But then it's it. And also little things that get put into episodes that you don't even think of at the time, because this is introducing the concept of the void. The doctor oh. thinks they've gone into the void, mm-hmm. which is the space between spaces. the universes. Yeah. yeah, the space between spaces. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah I know. What it's that just a thro- it's just a throwaway thing. And then totally and then you've away. got you've got Mickey goes and it looks like London. We're in London. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that's the end of the discussion, but possibly in the future, the concept of the space between spaces will mm-hmm. come back. And Mickey gets a one-up on the Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and this is jumping the timeline a little bit, but I was hoping to see the chameleon arch drop down as well. Yes. With the gas masks. But that would be jumping. But that's yeah. jumping. And one little thing, you know, when they're looking at the... We're geeks. <laughs> that it's just a, went right over my head. Yeah, I don't know Mine too. Arch, I'm like, I, I have no idea is. what you're talking about. It's, it's a third season. Chameleon. Um, still, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Still, I don't pay that much attention to the episodes. <laughs> um, one thing is I like, you know, when you, when you have a parallel world story and, and they're, they're showing you the differences and the simul- similarities. Mm-hmm. If you look at that shot of London and it looks just like London and all the Zeppelins are in the sky are you thinking what I'm thinking? I have no idea, but I'm going to say it and you're not. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, 
the clock face of Big Ben is square. Yes. Ooh, not round like it is in our universe. So notice that it, when you watch it again. Yeah. And so that's the, and I think it's the only other difference, but it is just kind of, oh, look, there's Zeppelins in the sky. Wait, the clock face is wrong, but you can How barely fun. see it. It's very tiny. So that was my moment of geek. No, thank you. That's fun. <laughs> and I win. <laughs> I have the same note. <laughs> no. And then question. I've just noticed that in lots of sci-fi things, when they become into a parallel universe, the Zeppelin is what represents going into a different world. Oh, Where I, did mm-hmm. that start? I, I thought you were going to say the goatee. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it's a quick, easy touchstone. Because it was something from the past that's not around anymore. But yet- Everybody knows what a Zeppelin is. They're not that common, but everybody knows what they look like. You can throw them in real quick. Okay. You know. They're probably also very easy to animate, and they're slow. So you can have them up and visually in the sky for a while. Okay, so it's just something that someone back in the day decided would be great, and then... People loved it, I guess. They just... Parallel universe, Zeppelin. And goatees. <laughs> goatees. And goatees, yes. Goatees. Okay. Like what, we're not in an evil universe. No one has a goatee. <laughs> what do you think yeah. of? Because it instantly reminded me of Fringe. I was thinking Fringe, mm-hmm. yeah. and then like they do a bunch of other... I just can't remember at the moment. But like they, Sky Captain. Sky yeah, Captain. Yeah, Tomorrow did Zeppelins. Well, I mean, also Batman the Animated Series did that oh, too, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. not... It's like a hyper-real universe, yeah. not a parallel universe. It's also kind of a sign of steampunk too, isn't it? Where it's mm. it's an old thing that's old method of flying that we don't use anymore, but yet it progressed in this universe. Yeah. But if yeah. the Hindenburg didn't happen, would we have progressed more along the Zeppelin line? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's why they use it for the parallel right world, here, saying in like sci-fi. in this world Hindenburg didn't happen, therefore Zeppelins are still used as the main I guess thing of trans- coming to NBC this fall. <laughs> or I guess it would still be like the whole conspiracy theory thing that the Zeppelin was not an accident that someone mm-hmm. made it happen. Mm-hmm. So there is one. Just let you guys know if you want to look it up. <laughs> a very well-to-do Pete arrives home to his estate where his wife Jackie is preparing for her 40th, um, 39th birthday. <laughs> She shows Pete the latest model of earpods that Mr. Lumick has sent as a birthday gift. Pete receives a call from Mr. Lumick and is told he needs to attend a meeting tonight with the president of Great Britain. Mr. Lumick then proceeds to remotely override Jackie's new earpods to access her brain and obtain the passwords and security arrangements for her party. Once it is complete, she goes on her way, unaware of the transmission. Mr. Lumick contacts his assistant, Mr. Crane, and informs him that plans are accelerating and he needs to recruit extra staff. Does Mr. Crane remind anybody else of Michael Caine? Like, oh yeah, he's got that oh. accent. Okay. Same sort of dialect. <laughs> yes. I can hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Crane. Michael Caine. <laughs> wow. So uh, the forty the fortieth birthday, that was intentionally intentional by Davis. Uh, because it was also the 40th anniversary of the Cybermen themselves. Ooh, nice. So he put that in there just as a little Easter egg. Man, did they have a lot of fun with this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then it made me think, I'm like, Jackie was really young when she had Rose. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she looks old for 40. Yeah. I thought that too. (laughs) I just didn't want to be mean. No, she looks old for 40. Also, you know, she's yelling at Pete saying it's my 39th birthday. But we also don't know how many 39 birthdays mm, she's had yeah. in previous years. <laughs> Could be more than just the year before. So so even 40 was kind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you like how um, with 
the doctor and Rose, the doctor is immediately uh, very desperate with her not seeing to meet yeah. Pete. Hmm. I mean, that's going back to Father's Day. He doesn't want to repeat because there's because a repeat <laughs> of Father's Day, and and I think it's not just because that was so terrible, but also he has no TARDIS. He has, you know, it, yeah. if something goes wrong here, they don't have an out at all. Mm. But it's similar to Father's Day. He didn't have a TARDIS then. But he did until it got taken away. I mean, they had the key, you know, they found the key and the TARDIS was coming back. And then right, but I just away, remember but... him first running up to the phone, right. you know, phone right. box. But, but it is kind of like they've carried over the doctor. So mm. it's a different actor. You know, David Tennant mm-hmm. was not in Father's Day, but I do think that his emotional response to this shows that this is a this is a same person. Mm-hmm. He lived mm-hmm. through the same thing before, and he doesn't want Rose to do it again. I agree. And yet, but we wouldn't have a story, right? I found uh, Pete's interaction with Lumic way too familiar. I think for the evil genius, like even if Vit- Vitex was like a a company that Cybus took over and. Pete was like a trusted advisor. It was just just a little off tonally, I think, for how evil we see Lumic to be and even how like laid back Pete is. Although it might like for the character of Pete not being so surface level like Joe Schmo, like he is politicking his way to the top of this evil empire company. Yeah. (laughs) But it still struck me as like, wow, that's like... a phone call you would have with your mate, like, Mm -hmm. you know, about getting, going to your wife's birthday. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know if anyone else had any. I didn't see it like that. Okay. I mean, it was his boss, but they were, you know, Pete's very charismatic and you can trust me on this. He works the angles, you know? So, I mean, Pete was familiar with him. It was like, well, this is a big party, but Lumic was the boss and said, no, you have to meet with him. You have to Mm -hmm. meet with the president and you guys have to come here. And at that point, Pete's like, no, you're the boss. I get it. I'll kind of sneak out so Jackie doesn't know because he can't deal with her wrath. You know, let's go to the party. So I don't see it as being okay. too chummy. It's a little more relaxed, but he's a very charismatic person. So I think he knows how to schmooze people. And that's what he does. Yeah. Could you guys help me understand why Pete was invited to that meeting in the first place? Because... On sec on rewatching this, I tried to figure that out because that struck me as odd the first time I watched this, and it and I was like watching it, being like, okay, I gotta understand, like, why is he invited? I, I think and you guys no, are shaking your head. No you know. idea. Because uh, this is the, the same thing that I have. It, it's, no, it's explained an, in the next. It'll episode. be answered in the second episode, but it's it's not very good. Let's but it is okay. explained in the second episode, and if you watch it again, then. Then it kind of makes sense. You get some of the subtleties of what what Pete is doing. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. It's it's an explanation. It's a. But I'm doing the same thing. I'm questioning why is the head of a soda pop health drink (laughs) suddenly the complete confidant of this overlord biomechanical biomechanical thing? It's like there's a disconnect that I I felt there. Yeah. I mean, I get that it gets us into that meeting. Yes. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't it, make any sense. It there are two things sense. that shows something is going on, and that's what triggers also little, a little later on the doctor going, wow, mm. Pete's really well connected. Why? What yeah. is going on? Okay. And then that part is explained in the second half. episode. Yeah. Okay. 
And I, I think it is a little flimsy. Don't, don't get me wrong. No. But yeah. it is explained. Yeah, it's like my husband doesn't really watch um, Doctor Who like regularly. So he doesn't know like the order of things. So when he was saying it's like, so in this universe, he's the prime minister. Like to him, it just <laughs> made him seem like he was more important than he really was. So didn't really connect him no, at yeah. all. So for a new viewer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is subtle in that. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to it in a second. <laughs> yeah. No, Frank, I like that. I like that. It's like it. It's supposed to be weird. It's supposed yes. to be odd. It's supposed to be off because then it triggers the doctor. It has the doctors have the same thought as we're having. It's just we're wanting to like fast forward. We're wanting to <laughs> rationalize it for. And when you talk about it yeah, more, know, if I it can't. was in this episode, but since <laughs> but it's a two parter, yeah, we have to talk about it next yeah. episode. Right. <laughs> OK, no, I think that that helped. And also, as we record this, the iPhone seven has just been released. Uh and the big controversy is they don't have headphone jacks anymore. Now they have these things called ear pods. <gasps> so <laughs> watching this episode oh, now, <laughs> it's very much like, like well, prophetic. look at our future. <laughs> we are so screwed. <laughs> but do they have blue lights on them? <laughs> no. No, actually, they might. They might. They might. I like think a Bluetooth. <laughs> We're doomed. <laughs> And then also, before we move on, this is when we first meet um, Jackie. And we see that, you know, there's really kind of trouble in paradise, that they don't get along. They do kind of fight. Um, and that we we do meet their Rose. Yes. Who is Rose the dog. <laughs> who is this cute little terrier, but still, their Rose is a dog. Oh, I just think that's hysterical. <laughs> I also thought of the ear pods. Um, like, if it actually would be something that would happen... It would be, there would always be those radical people that didn't want to be watched that would not wear them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you have to be off the grid. Off the grid. There yeah. are people so. like that now. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So, if it was in this reality, it would yeah. not really be everyone that's connected. Right. Right. And the ear pods, could they be any more bigger? Like, is oh, that I distracting know. to anybody else? Yes, they're very I distracting. I hate the ear pods. I hate the design. The, what would that be? Would that be costume design or would it be props? Props, maybe. Yeah, the prop design. I don't know. It's so distracting for me. And I can't. Why didn't they question that the doctor didn't have any in? Because hmm. everybody else had ear pods in and at least Rose's hair was like covering yeah. like her ears. But the doctor's obviously... His ears aren't as big as Eccleston's, <laughs> but his ears are still big. And it's like, obviously, he did not have any pods. Yeah, there true. were other people not wearing them, but I think it's more of a class distinction or economically. Okay. So, I don't know. Because even, no one mentioned it also when Mickey was walking around. But Camille, she, yeah, it's true. she plays Jackie. She says that she couldn't hear a thing when she had those in her ears. So they weren't that great. <laughs> Oh, yeah, great for were, anybody. No. Yeah, they were just ugly. Didn't even the homeless people have them in? Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe not oh, the homeless people. No, I don't think they did. Not when they first went. Well, we'll the get, yeah, we'll get okay. there. <laughs> they have them later on. Mickey and the doctor go back into the TARDIS as Rose sits on a nearby bench. The doctor explains that the TARDIS draws its power from the universe, but cannot get power here since they are now in a different one. With the Time Lords gone, travel between the universes should not have been possible. The doctor notices a little green, not blue, light oh. near the bottom of the console. The TARDIS does have some power. One small crystal has energy from our universe, but it needs more to grow enough to power the TARDIS. The doctor breathes on it, giving 10 years of his life to the crystal. 
It will take about 24 hours to have enough charge to take them home. I thought the moment of um, the doctor breathing life into the, what did you say? The crystal. crystal? The crystal. Mm -hmm. And then his reaction to it. Speaking of like tying in his performance with the previous doctor, I thought that was very, I thought I was watching Eccleston. 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 I was like, just the smile and the ear to ear grin. I was like, oh, it's the old doctor. Yeah. I thought that was me. He gives 10 years of his life. Totally worth it. Yeah. 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 And, and it reminded me of uh, End of the World where he gives breath to, uh, as a gift to the, the people on the, the platform. Oh, yeah. oh. Air from my lungs. Air from my lungs. <laughs> Does that, work? that remind me of that? But um, there's a lot behind that smile. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, he's happy. I think he's happy because he has found a way home. I think he's also happy the TARDIS is not dead. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think he's happy because this is a unique experience. He hasn't had this before. I think it's all three of those things all tied into the one gigantic smile, and it was totally worth it. The TARDIS is not just a machine because it's not just powerless. It's dead, and that is a shocker. Yeah, so now he's, he's happy again because the TARDIS will be saved. But back to that crystal, it's like it echoes what Davis is trying to say, like one small thing can affect greater things. And so this ordinary crystal can have this big impact in a bigger universe. So I like that symbolism in that little moment. I just thought it was a cheap trick to power up the TARDIS. <laughs> Either or, it works both ways. <laughs> I like your idea, but it is just a very convenient. Oh, yeah. oh for wait, sure. We do have a little. But if you think about it in hindsight. I also liked in this scene, um, I only noticed it the second time, but uh, Mickey is like uh, parroting. He's the echoing. He's echoing. Yeah, yeah. The doctor's uh, gestures and how he's standing. Like the doctor crosses his arms and Mickey sees that and crosses his mm -hmm. arms and sits next yep. to him. Uh, so it's like uh, a respect from Mickey, I, I think, like trying to emulate mm -hmm. the doctor, but also... Um, you know, this is the, probably the first time that he's had without Rose, you know, just him and the doctor. So he's mm. trying to like chum it up. Yeah. With the I never thought about it. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> they mentioned that on the commentary. So that's cool. You oh, picked that up okay. without having the commentary available to you. <laughs> that's right. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> One point for Albert. <laughs> well, we also set up kind of the end of this season. Yes. And there's a lot going on in this one scene. We'll get to that. Spoilers. <laughs> Mr. Crane takes a large truck to a homeless camp and tells the people there that he has food inside the trucks for them. Jake, <laughs> a resistance fighter who is there to film the abductions, jumps out from hiding and tells a homeless man not to go into the truck. He says that these people are responsible for the sudden rise in the amount of missing persons. The man is so hungry that he enters the truck anyway. Once inside, he screams and tries to leave but they close the doors on him sorry for the giggle it's just uh in case our listeners don't know we are based uh kind of in the los angeles area so i think most of us have uh have had at least some experience, experience interaction and interactions with the homeless and this is you know a very very uh satire not or uh cartoonish look at yeah simplistic yes at what a, a homeless encampment and what people that you know, haven't necessarily had a meal, mm -hmm. a good meal, uh, act like. So that's, that's yeah. why I giggled. <laughs> so you're saying like unrealistic for your experience? Yeah, I, I think so. Like it is a parallel world. So maybe yes, <laughs> it might be. And, and it serves the story very well. And you know, it's not, it's a trope that Dr. Who is not the only show that does this, that plays. Yeah. yeah. The homeless in this light. 
as a non-skeptical human being that will question everything that happens when you come up to you. Right. If you're just like free food, come on into my truck. Like, oh, let's all go. Like, yeah, I don't think that that would happen as simply as it and, did. And Jake scene. wasn't doing a very good job hiding. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, this seemed to me it would parallel more to like um, concentration camps, World War II, where they said, oh, come over here. This is where we're going to feed you. If you get on the train, you're going to get a meal. You're going to get a shower and mm. you're going to have a new place to live kind of thing. But nope. No, it's not that. So and not homeless. Uh, the fire barrel was even... Uh, like had a the, the Cybus logo. Yeah. So it could they could have a very different relationship with Cybus Industries, and, and this might have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does the Cybus logo remind you of anything? It, now. it reminds me of something now, not before. It oh. looks like the Sidewards Uber yeah. logo. <gasps> yeah. And now oh. when I'm driving around and I see an Uber sticker on a car, I'm like, Cybus. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if they don't stick it on correctly. They stick it, yeah, they stick it the wrong way. It's more like this, like the power sign and then you turn it sideways it becomes the c a power sign on a yes. computer or things so like yeah, but it also looks like the the current uber uber icon and it's just like oh wow and then we haven't gotten to it yet but there is that moment when rose looks up and sees um lumix zeppelin arriving mm-hmm. and it's, it's gigantic be- and it's got the big logo on it and i this last time i started laughing that's the biggest uber i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> must cost a lot yeah <laughs> There is a point where Mr. Crane says burgers, chips, sausage, and beer, and it reminded me of something later with uh, the master, but just put that in your ear. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I won't jump the timeline. So Rose uses her phone to search for Pete Tyler. She discovers that he is still married to Jackie, but they never had children. She wants to see her parents, but the doctor forbids it. She walks away, and the doctor goes after her, leaving Mickey to explore this world all alone. That's a tough scene oh yeah that's a really tough scene because i mean that's you're getting three people with three different points of view as to what's going on and mickey is just like you don't care about me and he even says i mean his last line isn't it something like oh i if i find something better Mm. so he's already thinking well if this place is better than me i'm not going to stick around with you and he also said you're you're always going to go after one of us and it's not going to be be me me. yes so but the doctor was totally taken aback by this. I mean, he wasn't expecting that. He was expecting Mickey to support him. I mean, he doesn't even consider Mickey most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then, no, Mickey, support me. And he's like, no, I'm going my own direction. I'm going to look and see what this world has. Yeah, it is sad. But it's also good for Mickey to stand up yeah, to this. absolutely. And stop just cowering and stop going along, going, no, you always pick her. She always picked you. I'm going to do Don't what I want to do. Don't use me yeah. to try and, you know, Get side her. with you. Mm-hmm. It's also filmed, interestingly, Mm. as well, because, I mean, I don't know cameras that well, but I think that in this case, the cameras were very far away from the actors themselves, because you can kind of see it's, it it just seems like the cameras are far away, zoomed in right on the actors, and the background is completely blurred out. You can't Mm -hmm. see the background at all. Now, I don't think they did that because they weren't filming in London. Because there are other instances where you can see the background just fine. I think they were intentionally doing it to suggest this was a moment that was just them. Mm -hmm. This is the only thing to focus on, the doctor's decision of 
which one know, to go after. which one to go after and rose deciding to leave and mickey deciding to leave mm-hmm. and it's a very very powerful scene and it really kind of depresses me when i watch it <laughs> you really get your focus on who they want you to focus on as and changes because the focus is on the doctor and even mickey is blurry behind him and then it switches to give you the focus and they're forcing you this is mickey's spot Mm-hmm. This is what he's talking about. Focus on that and switch back to the doctor. Rose is off on her own. So it is the way they cut it and the way that the length of the lens blurring out the background really is done effectively. You don't even notice it when you watch it, mm-hmm. but you're just a lot more intimate and something is really going to change in the scene. Rose is saying, no, I'm going off on my own. It's a, I like it. I love how they did that. Yeah, this scene for me has always been a reminder of the the differences between the doctor and his companions. Mm-hmm. Like he's more of an parent in this, or he's acting like a parent in this situation, trying to get the kids to like not run off, but they're like they're set. Like they're both gonna go and explore, and they both want to explore different things. Like they both have different things, and the doctor can't go with both of them, and neither of them are listening to him. Which is odd, not to listen to the doctor, but they are yeah. set. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you wanted us to grow and then be our own people. And I yeah. have to live with that decision. But uh, also, if you think about it a little bit more, is this, do you think, where the doctor has to decide between Rose and Mickey? He knows that Rose is going off to do something wrong, childish, um, something she shouldn't do, something that could have extreme consequences. And Mickey shouldn't go off on his own either, but Mickey could be okay. There's nothing specific that Mickey could mess up. Rose is intentionally going somewhere that could really mess things up, mm-hmm. and she should know better. So, yeah. yes, Mickey's right. The doctor would always choose to go after Rose. In this specific instance... You agree that he should go after he Rose. He should go after Rose, you know. Yeah, and that's probably why this scene never made me sad. It was mm. like, yeah. I, it made sense to me why the doctor would go after Rose. and But I can understand why Mickey wouldn't, well, wouldn't yeah. understand that, wouldn't see that at the moment. And that makes me sad. Well, because mm-hmm. he's been treated like the spare part this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would, maybe I wouldn't feel so sad if we didn't have the button scene in the beginning of this specific mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. but we've already got Mickey being treated badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now he's angry and he's saying, you know what? I'm going to leave. Yeah. And in Mickey's mind, he's thinking, um, well, I have, there's another me on this world. You didn't warn me about the other mm. person. I have family members that passed and you didn't, you didn't care about me changing the timeline or worrying anything. So go, go chase her like you usually do. So it was like, he was really like, I'm a person too. Mm-hmm. I have these issues. Go, I'm going to do my thing. And the interesting thing is we don't even know. And the doctor doesn't even know yet that he has these issues. Yeah. You know, and that that gets brought up and it really is well written. Mm -hmm. I I think I say that once a podcast, but (laughs) again, Mickey's just so dismissed by the doctor. That's what's really irksome, I think, to Mickey going, you're not even considering me. And he's just so dismissive of it. Not like, oh, Mickey's going to be fine or he's not going to do anything that's going to alter the whole world like Rose might when she meets Pete. It's just so dismissive that you're useless. Nothing you can do. We'll change, we'll change anything. anything. Yeah, Hasn't, that's yeah. the attitude. It seems like the doctor has towards him, mm-hmm. you know, letting him press the button. It's like nothing you do makes any consequence, and that's Mickey's had enough. Mickey's had yeah. enough, and that's what I like about these two. You know, where Mickey grows up because no, you're not paying attention, and spells everything out for the doctor. I'm going. I'm not taking it. See you in a bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely agree. He's not just the tin dog. 
No, right. not anymore. <laughs> in, in this, oh, I was going to say, no, go finish what you're saying. I was just going to bring up on Rose's phone, as she gets the downloads, there's a commentary going on, and that mentions the Torchwood Institute. Mm-hmm. Our first mention of first this mention. episode. Yeah. Uh, what you guys were talking what is about. this Torchwood? <laughs> when you guys were talking, it reminded me of the Doctor's original warning to back up a little bit, where he says to Rose that this is a parallel world, don't go anywhere. And then you see the the hologram of Pete saying, trust me on this. It's almost like Pete is saying, trust the doctor on this. Mm-hmm. Don't go and do anything. Well, that's right. When yeah. he said, don't do it. Yeah. And it repeats. It's on yes. a little loop. Trust yeah. me on this. And I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the editing is very clever this episode. I also like his quick reference. This, is, this parallel world is a gingerbread house. <laughs> you know, it is the, it's it's from the fairy tale. It's the enticing come and get candy and then once you get inside you'll be cooked alive you're going to be cooked alive and so literally because it's one of those references where the first time you hear it you might not think about it and then the second time you say you go why does he say gingerbread oh you kind of do have to think about it for a minute or a a few seconds before you finally get oh that's the reference he's saying because the first time i heard it i thought of christmas and you just have the little gingerbread houses that makes no sense the story (laughs) frank okay (laughs) and i think i said that with that tone (laughs) as rose and the doctor walk down a street a beeping sound is heard and everyone just stops everyone is getting a simultaneous news download right into their heads from cybus from the cybus earpods rose is able to read the download on her phone they learn that on this world, Cybus owns nearly every company in Britain, including Pete's. Sensing something odd about Cybus, and with Pete Tyler so well connected to it, the doctor finally agrees that they can go see him. And it's also during this scene that we do get Rose explaining Mickey's background. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. Uh, you know, they don't say that his mom committed suicide, but they really hint that she Infer does. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's inferred. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah. He says that... Um, she, Rose says that Mickey's mom just couldn't handle it. Oh, couldn't cope. Couldn't mm-hmm. cope. So either she left or she, oh. but, but there was but a problem. It seemed like follow, she committed suicide. Because <laughs> then they follow it up immediately with, and Mickey's father finally just left. Mm-hmm. So if Mickey's mom had left. They, the wording. Would the wording would have been different. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it just, to me, I, I read it as Mickey's mom killed herself. His dad left and she, he was raised by his grandmother, grandmother. whom. He loved and loved him, and then uh, she was killed prematurely. Prematurely, because, fell yeah. down the stairs. Yeah, because of something he didn't fix. And, and it's really sad. Which we and, learned and the, in the yes. next scene, mm-hmm. like yeah. because Rose doesn't know that. Yeah, no. that's something that Mickey's been carrying around with him mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. and, and that that's explains. the sad. That's what I think is the touching, sad part. Like, yes. Yeah. And the, and I love how the doctor's like, well, I didn't know. And Rose said, you never asked. And he didn't. He mm-hmm. didn't even think to ask. Yeah. And that also explains Mickey's personality, like why he's always seeking for approval and following people around saying, I want to be your friend or I will wait for you because he's never had anyone be consistently there. And he's probably been waiting for his dad or anyone to come back and be there for him. So... And he's, he won't let go of Rose because he won't lose Another again. person. Yeah. We went back and we looked over Father's Day because there was that one scene where Mickey was on the swing, sh- the swing set mm-hmm. and being pushed by a woman. And we couldn't figure out because they didn't really focus on that because it's know, not, last season yeah. they didn't set all this up. But it was 
couldn't tell if it was his mother or was it his grandmother. It's like, mm. it could be either. Yeah. So we just want to see the consistency of that. And then even in the pilot episode, Rose mentions, now I have to tell Mickey's mom that because he, he was the plastic head. Oh, that oh was really? A, that was an oops. So that's an oops. Yeah. So they, they retconned it for this to be the grandmother. Mm, but that makes, now that makes me think she didn't commit suicide. Something else happened. Maybe she couldn't cope. Mm. And she just... No, I think it just... It's just... They, whatever. Yeah. You know... They, they fleshed out, out character. his character. Yeah. yeah. yeah they <laughs> there did. we go. Yeah. They did. <laughs> that was a high five for those of you who can't tell. <laughs> yes, but my geek brain is going rationalize it, rationalize it, rationalize it. So. It's just an oops. I'll figure yeah. it out. Next. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Before we move mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. I wanted to... Something funny happened just today on our way to this podcast that I think ties in with what Brian mentioned earlier about the iPhone seven and how we're kind of, there's a lot of stuff in our now that is mirroring this episode. Um, we were, I was shop, we were shopping and I have a Fitbit Alta where I get text messages and I got a text message and I stopped. I was like in the middle store walking. I stopped. I looked at my watch <laughs> to see what the text message was <laughs> And then I realized that I just stopped in the middle of the walkway. I'm right dead sitting in the walkway. Someone could have run into me if they were walking wow. close enough behind me. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, this, this thing on my wrist controls me. And then you got a joke. Yeah, this was 10 years ago. And then you got a joke text. And then I went, <laughs> No, then you got a text that says, you will laugh now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing was... Um, but really makes the doctor apparent here is that Rose gives him the big pouty face so that she can <laughs> get her way. He's like, okay, fine. I'll do it. We'll go see your dad. And she's like, please pouty face. I didn't big read eyes. it that way. You didn't see it as pouty face. Like she like reaches over, grabs his arms, looks big, big eyes. And like, I, yeah, I didn't see it that way. See, it, I saw it more as see, there's a reason we can go see him now. <laughs> <It's more laughs> of, there's something weird going on. Or you can like, get it. see, I was right. <laughs> as a child that tried to get away with a lot of things <laughs> from their father. That's exactly the face I would do. Even if I thought I was right. It's like, please. <laughs> Outside the Cybus Industries airship, Pete greets the president of Great Britain and both enter to meet Mr. Lumick, who proposes the ultimate upgrade to preserve the human brain inside a metal body. The president refuses and says no one will allow Lumick to proceed with his obscene plan. He and Pete leave the ship. Mr. Lumick contacts Mr. Crane and tells him to proceed with the upgrade. Mr. Crane orders the recently gathered homeless into a room where they are butchered. I mean upgraded <laughs> to the tune of the lion sleeps tonight because <laughs> it's a jungle nine. out there <laughs> a concrete jungle <laughs> in this one the president is talking to pete before they go on the zeppelin mm-hmm. and saying you're not an ordinary guy like you're pretending to be so that goes back that's to that's our other clue something mm-hmm. else is going on with pete mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he did <laughs> the plot thickens does the british president is his accent British? Sounds South American. Yeah, to me, I couldn't. I can place it. Oh, accents are all over the or, place in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, not only are we earlier introduced to Jake, we're introduced to Jake's accent. <laughs> that is a thick. <laughs> is thick... it American? No, no. Oh, I looked it, it up uh, because I just. Where is he from? Australian? No, he's North England. 
the northeast of England mm. is where that actor is from. So okay. if he's talking in his normal voice, that's that's where. a northeast. So maybe they 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 were like, well, this is a parallel world, so you don't have to put on a a British accent or no. I mean, that is a British accent. London. Oh, that is. A, yeah, it's just not a London. Maybe accent. it's just more as like London is a cosmopolitan city, so there's going to be transplants mm-hmm. from all over. Yeah, you hear tons of accents in London itself, and like Mrs. I, have we met Mrs. Not, Moore? not yet. Oh, but Mrs. Moore, she's very Welsh. Mm. That's a very Welsh accent. Um, I looked that one so up too, just to confirm. Thing, so it's not a bad thing that the accents are all over the no, place. No, not a bad thing at oh, all. Okay. But from an American ear, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, turn the subtitles on for a minute <laughs> until I can get used to it. And here we learn also, or clarify, that John Lumick is dying. He's not just in a wheelchair. He's not just sick. Yeah, he he has, is dying. He has and, a Darth Vader gas mask and all of that right. stuff. And the president does say, you know, he's sorry. This isn't the way to do it. Yeah. And even later, later on, it's mentioned that what he started off doing was good, with good intentions. And we all know mm-hmm. where, where good the road goes go. with good intentions. So it just goes too far, too mm-hmm. crazy. And this is where the homeless get their ear pots because mm-hmm. they have them now because they're being controlled. Yeah. But they didn't have them before, right? No, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. I don't I think, think they, they did, now. I was just wondering for those that might have listened to the commentary, is there a reason for the song like other than juxtaposition i think that's the only reason for that okay (laughs) they already paid for the rights for it and something else they had to use it (laughs) i don't know i don't know yeah Yeah. i was wondering that too they don't mention it and it's also the second lion king reference of the season i mean they use that in lion king and also tenant in christmas invasion does a quote from the lion king so somebody really likes the lion king on season two or it's because it's still a children's show and you don't want to hear all the screaming (laughs) <laughs> oh you can hear the screaming yeah but you know at least it hides it a little bit better that's true that's true the kids are focusing on the song it's a song oh, oh. simba yeah <laughs> timon it could have been small world oh no not anything oh, no that. anything but that <laughs> mickey discovers that on this world his grandmother is still alive and that he is named ricky she was worried about him because of all the people that have been disappearing Suddenly, a van arrives and snatches Mickey from the street. Jake is inside the van, and he reminds Ricky, Mickey, that they cannot contact family because it puts them in too much danger. It turns out that his doppelganger Ricky is the number one most wanted man in London. They take, them, they take him back to their headquarters, where they also find the real Ricky. <laughs> Just another... It's, something's going on and these people are trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, they're setting it all up for the second episode. That's a scene with his grandma. Oh, oh it's so, so great. Yeah. It's so great. Even when, even when she's hitting him, it's like, yeah, yeah hit him. That's just, <laughs> oh, that's, you know. Uh, also, she, him. <laughs> and, you know, they don't have a lot of money, but she's wearing earpods. Yeah. So that was something that I wanted to bring up. The homeless don't have the earpods, but even people on the, of the, of Let's say middle class? No, lower. Lower? I mean, I hate middle lower. lower class. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, but, um, you know, and she's also elderly. She still has AirPods. Everybody, mm-hmm. except for, you know. That's a lot of people. It's still going to be a good per- percentage. Yeah. You know, of people who don't. I mean, people don't have the iPhone watch, and that mm-hmm. was really big for a bit, then starting to subside. But this is the next new thing, and if it works well, it'll grow. So I think majority of people have them, but they're still good portion of the city that doesn't mm-hmm. they're the lucky ones as or, we'll un- find out. or unlucky no the ones who don't have them. oh don't have them gotcha are the lucky ones they yeah. just don't know it yet right mr crane loads the new upgrades into trucks and sends them to the tyler party 
Meanwhile, Ricky, Jake, and another resistance fighter, Mrs. Moore, scan and question Mickey. They also monitor Lumix's company and see that the trucks are being moved. Now is their chance to find out what Cybus is doing and bring down Lumix. They believe that Rick, Mickey is Ricky's brother and take him along. That's a good scene for Mickey fans like me. When Mickey's tied up to the chair. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Being Shirtless. Yes, it is. <laughs> Mickey. Looking good, Mickey. And then there's two Mickeys. <laughs> yeah. The one shirtless does look better, though. For sure. <laughs> looking at uh, London's most wanted. <laughs> I'm bad at accents. <laughs> That's never stopped me. <laughs> we know. We get a little more information that they are a group called the Preachers. Yes. Because they preach the gospel of truth, that the earpods are wrong, something's going on. They find out that they're being supplied with information from Gemini, whoever that is. They, that's, they find out to monitor the trucks. Because they said, oh, the information yeah. Gemini gave us. But is that us. important to us? Like, is that a reference to... Just putting it out there, too. Oh, okay. Put it just in, in your case. ear, like a little ear pod. And just so see it, is it, <laughs> it is important. It is important. Spoilers. <laughs> but it is something that's so quickly said, you wouldn't hear it, usually. Mickey with his shirt off. Mickey with his shirt off. I know off. that's... I know, I've heard anything in this scene except Mickey with his shirt off. <laughs> Same. And props to... No, Noel, Noel Clark, no, no Clark, no Clark on, you know, making those two characters different. very different, but still like kind of similar. You but know, Ricky just get... scowled too much. Yeah. I mean, it was a little over done for me. But he's London's most wanted. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor and Rose use the psychic paper to join the wait staff at Jackie's birthday party. They can mingle without being noticed. You know, I love the doctor on that one. Well, if yeah. you want to know what's really going on, be part be of the, the kitchen. kitchen no, staff. That makes me laugh every time when she's like, psychic paper. And then you <laughs> cut to her, just like this looking, she's like, oh. And I just laugh and I'm like, I love this episode. Rose is a dog. Rose is a server. <laughs> like, she is just not having a good time this episode. And then holding the whole Lucy. Who's Lucy? What do you know? Yeah. It's like how the doctor gets all this information and she's just pouting the whole time for what she has to do. Wait a minute. Who's Lucy? Yeah, she's instantly jealous of that. And it's funny, watching this again, now I think of you guys with the, oh, sure, Rose is jealous. <laughs> I do but, like how she does do a thing going, we had the psychic paper. We could have been nobility. We could have been Sir Doctor and Dame Rose. And it's like, oh, yeah, they are Sir Doctor and Dame Rose from <laughs> Victorian right. times. I mean, they, they legitimately are. <laughs> I've forgotten that. I love how Rose found out that she is the dog. She's. Oh, I, I love how the doctor laughed. Yes. Like, oh. yes. <laughs> Makes the rest of us feel better for also laughing at the earlier scene when we find yes. out that Rose is a dog. Yeah. Okay. But it like kind of puts Ed. her in, in Mickey's realm now. He's the tin dog and she's, you know, <laughs> she's the dog. Oh. And I like the editing on that. The editor was good where he just cuts it. <laughs> it wasn't too long of a laugh. It wasn't too short of a laugh. And he was still in the middle of it when. They cut away. Yes. That's what I said. The editing is good in this episode. <laughs> the doctor searches for information about Cybus on a computer and discovers that they are creating Cybermen and goes to find Rose. Rose sees the armored army approaching and goes to find the doctor. Together, they witness the Cybermen crash Jackie's party uh -huh. <laughs> and inform the guests that they will all receive the same upgrade. The ultimate oh, upgrade. Interesting. Sorry. I just... um. 
Um, yeah, but before we see uh, the, Cybermen. the Cybermen cross the party, uh, we see Rose doing what we all like to talk about her doing, yes. where she's finding someone to connect with in this strange, different world. It's just this time it's her dad. So it's like even more layered and and it goes well, you know, mm-hmm. like it goes well, even though she finds some not so happy information from him that her and things him, are, things him aren't and Jackie, perfect in the yeah, Tyler's world. And, and she kind of assumed it was earlier. You know, she was like, because oh, they, they got the everything they yeah. wanted. Mm-hmm. They have their money. They're still married. They just don't have me. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she's like, they have everything they wanted except me. Yeah. And then she's like, like, oh, well, whatever. But it's like, and now she sees, thing. no, they're not happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. yeah. And then she goes and tries to, she does the same thing with her mom. And it's, <laughs> it's going somewhat well until she tries to help. And then it does. And she really does it cross goes. a line where, mm-hmm. you know, she, she feels an intimacy with Jackie that isn't mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You know, and so Jackie, yes, Jackie is reacting really harshly, but it is kind of like, who is a stranger? Who are you? Yeah. The stranger is telling me how to do my marriage? No, mm. go away. Yeah, so. but it also like makes Pete a little bit more special, which gets paid off, I think, later, yeah. at least for the viewers. Like I almost in watching these with the hindsight of the the episode after this and and further in the season, you know. It's almost like they're 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 trying to make the audience member connect more with Pete mm-hmm. and not as much with Jackie, or mm-hmm. at least this parallel universe Jackie and this parallel yeah. universe Pete. Like we should w- like Pete more, I feel, than Jackie. But you know, Jackie, we know Jackie. We've seen her in several episodes. And how long did it take her for her to like the doctor? It, that's her personality. Yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. like people right off the bat. So. And in this that's world, true. that. Jackie would be worse because that Jackie has money and can push people around because she has money. And she doesn't have Rose. She doesn't have and her she, daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. She doesn't have a calming. In, or, she does which have we talked Rose. about Rose, <laughs> being, she does have Rose. Yes. Rose being um, Jackie's type. anchor. Yes. Like, yeah. And, um, and she doesn't, she has really no anchors. anchor in this world. So again, it's kind of sad. I do like how in the Pete conversation, uh, there is that moment again where Pete's like, why do why am I telling you this? Why do I trust you? Why do I feel like I can speak to you? And again, it goes back to that Father's Day moment where it's like, mm-hmm. it's your daughter. And just on some level, even though it makes no sense, you just know your, you know your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does mimic Father's Day very yeah. much that they get along and her and Jackie don't, don't are yeah. fighting. Mm-hmm. But this time it switches as to who initiates, is saved, yeah. trying to save mm-hmm. Pete. Right. And this is also the moment during that that uh, conversation with Pete where we get our second Torchwood reference of this episode Mm -hmm. because there's a member at this party who is a member of Torchwood, which is an, you know, that's an interesting bit of information about Torchwood. This is a party with high level people. I mean, the president is at this party. These are all well-to-do, rich, powerful, influential people. And a member of Torchwood is there. So Torchwood has to be powerful and influential in its own way. And in case you missed it, it's right after um, Pete, Pete and Rose are talking when it's getting too serious for him. And it's like it's right to talk to Rose. Yeah. And then he goes and sees Stevie, how is Torchwood doing? Yeah. Kind of thing. He does to, end to get him out of the conversation going with at Rose. Torchwood, he says. The president yells at Lumic that he had no authorization to do this, meaning upgrade the people. A Cyberman says that the upgrade is mandatory, and the president asks what would happen if they refuse. The Cyberman says that they will be deleted and electrocutes the president. Everyone panics while Rose and the doctor escape through a window, followed closely by Pete. They run into Ricky, Jake, and Mickey, and are quickly surrounded by Cybermen. The doctor says they surrender, 
but the Cybermen says they are inferior and will be deleted. And the reveal of the Cybermen is so good. I didn't know who Cybermen were. Mm-hmm. And like watching it a second time, I just have chills where the doctor's like, Cybers at the same time as Rose's seen in, and they right. meet and they see together and then they run. And yeah. And the producers, such a good sure, producers on this show sure love their broken glass. Oh. <laughs> People are always just slamming through glass. It's like, we couldn't do it on the classic show, so we're going to do it all the time now. But uh, the director, Graham Harper, definitely wanted to do that uh, reveal and show the Cybermen as little as possible until the very end to making that reveal impactful. It was. It, yeah. it, mm-hmm. But that always succeeded. gets me. Why do they put it in the title of the episode? Why not put Age of Steel? Right. As that episode, and then uh, Rise of Cybermen as a second one. That would have, They've I done that before smart. in yes. other episodes. Where they did right. it Dalek. Why yeah. they give it away in the title? Go ahead. And Eugene has uh, ruined the ending cliffhanger of this episode for me forever now. Oh. Because that last shot where the Cyberman is saying, you will be deleted. I watched it this last time and went, oh dear God, their mouth lights are blue LEDs. Uh, <laughs> oh. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the the ear pods had the blue yep. LEDs. <laughs> so it's, it's just you. a sign showing that everything that's evil or does <laughs> bad things are blue. blue. And like you said before, alien tech is blue. Except for the TARDIS, which is a green light. And then it makes you sad. But it's blue. (laughs) The TARDIS blue. So the outside is evil and the inside is good. Because it's bigger on the inside. (laughs) Well, you haven't ruined the cliffhanger for me. I love this cliffhanger. I think this is the best two-parter cliffhanger in the series so far. This is a fun episode. Very fun. And since we started doing the podcast, I it's kind of changed the way I watch episodes now. And so I was looking forward to this one because I like these two episodes and I was looking forward to it as really fun. Okay. This is a great little, you know, lots of running, mm-hmm. escaping, good adventure. And then I was watching it again going, there's a lot of deep stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. A lot of really, you know, Mickey's backstory, the way Mickey's treated, Pete and Rose are, Pete and Jackie are fighting you know, there's a lot of heavier things in this episode than I was expecting, and it's all really good. That's interesting. I was not looking forward to rewatching, but watching it, I'm like, I'm like, this is a cool episode. I like this episode now. <laughs> I would I have Bad Wolf, know. I think, for me, as the better, best cliffhanger up to this point, because okay. it's a little more to me optimistic. Mm-hmm. Where this one's, yes, they're caught. There's no way out. How are they going to get out of it? The other one is they're caught, and he's telling them. I'm going to win and I'm coming for you. And uh, they're scared of that. And yeah. so See, that I think got the, me more optimistic. What's going to happen? How is he going to do it? Yeah, I think the the back and forth, you will be deleted, but we surrender. You will be deleted. <laughs> this is a surrender. Like that makes for a better cliffhanger yeah, for like, me. Oh, I love it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. You know, I think I love them both. But So this is the first time I saw a Cyberman. But, um, and I thought, wow, this is a Dalek but much scarier mm-hmm. because it's humanoid. Yes. But then what did it look like before in the previous season? Much like, worse. What did the, <laughs> did they always look like this? Is this like, the ooh, basic, I know exactly who the it basic is. Designs the basic designs are there. shape, the yeah. basic design, badly done in the first book. This is really this badly is really done. The Cheaply upgrade. done, I should this say. Is, not badly. So. Like they really went all out because um, the first appearance of a Cyberman was with the first Doctor in uh, the 10th planet. And so this really marks the 40th anniversary of that. And they went with the Art Deco look rather than like a man in a suit, like a silvery suit. 
metallic man with a kind of sock over his head like that had metal man? attached yeah, to like it. Yeah, like the Tin Man, but like much worse. <laughs> with a, No, a sock yeah. over his head. But they the kept... original Cyberman had a sock <laughs> over It would take like a uh, cap, yeah. which you pull all the way down over your head and then stick metal parts on it. So oh. the outline and silhouette's the same. But uh, yeah, they actually did say they put a stocking cap over the and they cut out the and eyes. then they cut the eyes out. Uh, huh. <laughs> so if, uh, we have so here we have here a toy of a Cyberman that's from the uh, the show we're watching, and I'll point out the things that have, they kept, like um, the the eye holes and the the blank like stare. They kept that, and then the handle on the head to the ears. The headphones. Yeah, they kept that. The earpods, if you will. And then the handles on the, the limbs, they kept that too. But then they added this Art Deco look to it, and I think it's really an upgrade. I don't know. It shows that Plus they're they fan. put the Cybus logo right on the chest of the Cyberman, so that yeah. each Cyberman now is a big C to indicate, yeah, where before it was just a panel, pretty much, of just computer, extra computer parts. It was, it was weird. I mean, every time you saw Cybermen in the classic show, they did get better. They kept looking. Yeah. They kept getting upgraded, but then this one, yeah. to me, is the ultimate upgrade. But but it is one of those you really kind of look at it and go, wow. And it is true that the Daleks and the Cybermen have kind of the same literary well, origin, to, sort of, yeah. The delete, exterminate. I mean, it's it was similar, very similar. But yet nobody bats an eye that these are two separate things in the Doctor Who universe. But Frank, you have a good way of describing the differences between them. It, you know, they're similar, two sides of one coin, where the Daleks want to exterminate anything that's not them. They're pure. And the Cybermen want to include everyone to be better and upgrade. And you're part of us. And then to... You'll gather everyone. That's still the same to me. It is, no, that's why it's the like same coin. Need more people to be more Daleks. So it's a, it's like you're either this religion well, or really. that religion. The Daleks didn't want to get anybody. They wanted their race, the Kalids, to just be the only ones living and for them to go on. And that's why sometime in the uh, parting of the ways, and the Daleks hated being. Part not, human, not pure. They hated themselves. Yeah, that for that. They didn't want plan. to be human. They didn't want yeah. to incorporate anything else. I can totally understand how a person just watching the new series would feel that the Daleks use human bits to make more Daleks because they keep referencing that over and over again. It's very un-Dalek from a classic Dalek point of view. The Daleks hate anything that's not Dalek. Okay, it makes sense, and that's why when they opened up in that episode, Dalek, it's like this weird blobby thing, and not. A human right, inside right. there. Yeah. And there never is, was anything human inside that Dalek. And this is obviously human. Yeah. But not human. Right. Just mm -hmm. a human brain. Also humanoid. Whatever. <laughs> and also, I think that they, they didn't say it at the time, obviously, because they probably didn't want to get sued. But um, I think they finally did admit it that the Borg on Star Trek The Next Generation definitely were inspiration inspir they were in inspired by the cybermen so it was because the borg are basically the same thing as the cybermen so going back to the best cliffhanger ever the best cybermen <laughs> cliffhanger is when Riker tells Morph to fire <laughs> there it Again, is people over my head <laughs> Star Trek reference. not even uh, one episode can we get through one of our shows without a Star Trek reference never I did like that they tied in uh, Lumic talking to the president on the Zeppelin and showing him the pitch in yes. the commercial and that's what the doctor found on the computer mm -hmm. in Pete's you know so was, you already understood what was going on you can make the connection really quickly and he immediately, yeah, he says Cybus. Oh, he says Cybus? I thought he goes Cybers. You no, know, he goes, he says, because we watched it with the subtitles. Uh-huh. Because it is a little bit, but he says Cybus going, the name of, it's right there in the name of the company. Cybus, <laughs> Cyber, Cyberman. So he just says Cybus. 
and like it, and then he it runs all clicks out of in his office? head, and then he runs out. Oh, I thought he, he goes cybers and it, then runs out. It, it sounds, sounds like, like it. it. Okay, yeah. Okay. I don't know if they got the closed caption right. I mean, you know, that always makes some mistakes. So I think it could have been cybers. Yeah, it could be. I don't think that's a big point, but it's no, just, it he, he gets it that Cybus is mm-hmm. Cybermen. Yeah. That's what's going on. I mean, I, I, I just say it because I like the fact that the doctor's like, it was under my nose the whole time and I didn't yeah. see <laughs> right, it. I, right. I feel, I, I, I have felt that way very recently watching a more recent Doctor Who under my nose the whole time there's also i didn't want to mention this uh when it came up in the summary but when the cyberman kills uh kendrick it's like a like a death grip that's also carried over from the uh, classic version because they would like chop and Mm. grip you and but then now they have the special effects to make it look cool (laughs) so it's not just like a stage and the actor how he just totally manipulated his face to be like he's getting the electric <laughs> shock. Right. Having a good. stroke. He did yeah. really well. Yeah. Yes, he did. So Colin Spall played a role in uh, the role of Lit in Revelation of the Daleks from the classic series, which was also directed by Graham Harper, the director of these episodes. So this is the first time we have a director from the classic directing an episode from the new version. So I think it's Mr. Crane. That's his name. That's who Colin Spall mm-hmm. is, Mr. Crane. The one I said looks like Michael King. Yeah, or it sounds like, yeah. Um, no, it looks like. I think he looks, looks like, like Okay. <laughs> so well, Graham that's Har- cool. Graham Harper directed classic episodes. Yeah, Revelations of the Daleks and the Caves of Androzani. Wow, mm-hmm. but uh, that those are really of- famous episodes. And Cyberman is on Androzani. And but Graham Harper directs a lot. Yes, he does. Going forward, yeah. And then also the guy that plays Lumic and uh, the Doctor have a connection. Roger Lloyd Pack and David Tennant previously worked together in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Bottie Crouch, senior and, and junior. Junior, yes. So there's that. Mm, you're no son of you. mine. <laughs> That's all I could think of when I was watching, I'm watching it, these though. two. <laughs> That's all I could think about. I'm like, oh, the Minister of Magic is on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, father. <laughs> and um, Roger Lloyd Pack injured his leg, so that's why they had to write him in a wheelchair, Mr. Lumick. Really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Who is this episode good for? We will start with Alburn. I'm go this way. Um, I think uh, I think that this episode uh, would be good for everybody. It was a really good episode. Um, it gave us a, a good look at Mickey backstory, at Rose's relationship with the doctor and with, uh, with her family. Yeah, I like it. I'd say for everybody. Yay, everybody. I would put it in the second category. I don't think it's good for a new viewer because it doesn't quite have the bad person yet. You don't know what's going on until the very end of the episode and has a great cliffhanger. But if you're just introducing it, you kind of want to have more of a complete understanding of what's going on. Um, I think there's too much backstory with Rose, Mickey, the whole relationship Rose has with Pete and why that seems a little bit more important you just find out that oh her father had passed away in the old one but you don't have that same um, Mm -hmm. feeling about it i just think it's not the best one to show somebody brand new to it for myself but most everybody think it's a really good episode so i think most people would like it oh casual (laughs) the second category yeah which is casual and i would do it for um well this one it's kind of weird during the podcast i've kind of changed my mind but no i'm going to stick with it um i wouldn't show this to a new person i would show this i think this is a good episode um for a casual person as well so i agree with frank um i i do think that 
somebody who would be completely new to this might get confused by the relationships between the characters a little bit. Um, but, you know, it. see, you know, listening to you guys talk about it, I kind of thought, well, no, no, this is this could be good for a new person. But no, I'm going to stick with my guns. Um, it's good for a casual viewer. You know, if, if they're slightly familiar with Doctor Who, they'll enjoy this. Um, I went into this uh, episode, uh, not the, the thing that we're doing, but watching it saying, oh, this is just a diehard episode because I had the memory of it being really scary and really dark. And I was like, this is going to be one of the diehard ones. But um, after watching it, being a fan of Doctor Who, I was like, I love this episode now. So I'm going to say that this is good for uh, number the category number three. Um, for fans and diehards, I don't necessarily, I don't want to say casual just because as a casual viewer back in the day watching this, I didn't like this mm. episode. It was just too dark, too scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but now as a fan, I'm like, this is a fan favorite of mine now. And that's pretty cool because I went in thinking it was going to be a diehard, but I'm going to say category three fan. <laughs> Sounds like an earthquake for a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I agree with Kelsey. I think you have to be already a fan to really like this. It's a good episode, but you have to like sci-fi. You mm-hmm. have to know Doctor Who and you have to be familiar with the characters to really feel all the different emotions that this episode can offer. So just a new viewer would be like, uh, yeah, this what means is this? what? Right. So, uh, For me, having watched this now with all this information and then having watching classic episodes this episode holds much more weight to me because of the stuff i've seen before and i kind of geek out and nerd out at how upgraded and better the cybermen are and for me i guess it's a it falls in between a casual and a fan but i'm leaning towards uh, casual that wraps up the rise of the cybermen join us for the conclusion episode the age of steel when the future becomes the present Thank you for listening to this episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. You can find his work at theuniverseexplodes.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All of our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Yes, we are. <laughs> Do Mark not. That. We need to leave that in. Do not <laughs> put that in. Uh, that'll be after, as the music's uh, fading out. <laughs> 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 okay. Um. <laughs>